Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji Narsen. As always, for the Israel Startup Nation 2022 preview, we'll have the recap of 2021, transfers, select their teams for all the major races next year, talk about are they at risk of relegation from World Tour at the end of 2022, little known thing that's not really being spoken about, as well as our hot takes for their 2022 season. How are you going, Benji? Did you have a good Christmas? Yes, I had a perfect Christmas. And, All right, uh, that's enough. Okay. No, I'm kidding. What else happened? Do you get any good presents? Do you do presents? Does Belgium celebrate on the 24th? I received an electric toothbrush, so I'm not sure if that's like a sign of people saying, oh, oh you, <laughs> your face looks like shit or... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I could use it, so uh, that's great. YouTube is just bawling out now. Uh, I'm still stuck with it. <laughs> anyway, on to Israel Startup Nation. But before we do that, mention our show partner, Lacole, who produced performance cycling apparel based in the UK, expanding quickly internationally, now sponsoring Bora Hansgrohe back in the World Tour next year, as well as Ambassadors, Cancellara, Wiggins, and Johan Museo. I think Benji says he sees occasionally on rides in the Lacole kit. But if you want to check them out, they're at www.lacole.cc. They've been supporting the show since its inception last year. That's www.lacole.cc. Compared to their budget, again, just relative to their budget, so they had a similar-looking year, Benji, I would say, to Intermarché in terms of results, uh, even less Grand Tour wins, but the budgets are very different here. We have Sylvan Adams, the owner of the team, very wealthy, and we don't know the exact figures, but it's a healthy, healthy, maybe above-mid-pack budget. Even uh, Vortas was saying, the EF manager, that, you know, Froome's Salary is nearly the entire salary of his EF team. I think maybe that's a bit hyperbolic, but he's probably <laughs> probably not far from yeah. the truth. And so th- this is th- that's why we have to judge them a little bit differently because it's about the uh, according to maybe the keep or someone eighteen million sort of range. So Benji, three World Tour wins, one at a Grand Tour, Dan Martin Giro Stage Seventeen, which was delightful. That was back in May, and then after that, no World Tour wins. Just three dot pro wins being Hermans at Arctic Race, GC in a stage. The GC was a bit lucky. And Trevor Levada Cine. And yeah, other than that, Benji, just Woods was consistent. A couple of top 10s in Liège and Lombardia. And uh, they had top 10s in Roubaix, which was actually really good with Van Asbroek and Bovin. But still for the budget, not what they would have hoped for. Yes, certainly. And I think, uh, like we mentioned, Froome is a big part of that. But for the rest of the team, I feel like they misused some of their riders in the wrong races and so forth. And as a consequence, came out with less victories than they could have. Because a perfect example for that is Dan Martin and Michael Woods. The entire year we've been saying that Michael Woods going to the Tour for GC was not a great idea in the first place. Now, he accidentally fell out of that GC position and well quite literally fell which is unfortunate but ended up having to go for the KOM and so forth then and 
wasn't strong enough to do so because the competition is high in the Tour de France to get that. But I bet if you send him to the Giro, he can uh, he can definitely get a stage win. And if you send him to the Vuelta as well, and I think that's a, a missed chance on their end. Exactly. Sending Woods and Martin to the same race is just doesn't make sense to me. And they also, Benji, there was pressure, it seemed, definitely in the case of Mike Woods. Mike Woods gave an interview before the Tour de France because we were criticizing him. Maybe I was criticizing him somewhere. I was like, come on, why is he going for GCs? TT's awful. This is silly from Mike Woods. And then Mike Woods gave an interview where he's like, I don't even really want to go for GC at the Tour. It's just (laughs) he implied that the team was like, you have to go for GC. And then he fell out of it, be it through crashes or whatever, went for polka dots, didn't get polka dots and didn't get a stage either. But Dan Martin, as well as the Giro, we were very critical of him. He spent 10 days going for GC before the Montalcino stage, all the while people like Victor Lefay are winning stages on a three-kilometre 7% finish where Dan Martin would probably could do it in uh, – he could do it on – a bike with no gears. I don't know. I was trying to say Dan Mark could beat Lafay easily. He could have. And then he just like didn't want to take the risks on the descent, fell out, eventually came 10th in GC, got the stage win, which was good, but it could have been more. And then at the Vuelta, the biggest issue I have eventually is the Vuelta. The Vuelta no. team they sent was awful. They have no Woods or Dan Martin, despite both being very, very good at the Vuelta, yes. Dan Martin last year. Uh, did he beat Roglic in an uphill finish? I believe he did. Yes, a stage win uh, by Martin, and I think the first week already. And Woods won two stages, or at least one stage ahead of uh, Valverde in a break. It perfectly suits, and they didn't send them, either of them. Maybe, okay, you don't have to send both, but yeah, then they sent the sort of second-tier sprint squad with Chimalai, and it was just not great. Uh, for their welter either so yeah and then you look at for example the entire year of woods and you see that he rides the tour de france and then the olympics and then there's like a month break before he does the tour of britain and three italian classics which certainly fits him the italian classics but if you replace the tour by the vuelta you're gonna have a very consistent season by this man where he will likely get those stage wins in the tour in the vuelta so yeah you're right i agree with that that's an issue and I think that's uh, one of the bigger issues of this team is the planning and team management of which riders go to which team. And that has uh, influenced their outcome of the season, certainly with those two riders. And uh, yeah, I think next to that, we've got the likes of Sprints with Greipel that actually started off quite well at the start of the season, right? He did those uh, multiple stage wins, which I I think at the start of the season, we were like, that's probably not happening too early. But I was very happy that we saw Greipel do that. And uh, I do want to... uh, Wish him a very uh, good fortune in the future post-cycling career. And I uh, appreciated everything he did in his career. So I wanted to point that out. Yeah. And listen, I, I went because I, I heard rumors, rumblings out of Germany that Greipel was doing the same numbers that he was doing when he was winning Tour de France stages back on the lotto uh, train with Henderson and co. And I was like, that can't be right. There's no way. And I went and looked, and either his power meter at ISN is overreading, and it was underreading at Lotto, but there are sprints where he's doing very good numbers, like 1,700 watt peaks, etc. So either sprinting has gone up a level and guys are more aero, and he's not very aerodynamic, or he's always been in terrible position, or he wasn't willing to take certain risks, or their bike is really, really slow and their equipment is really, really slow. It could be a few of all of those things plus the power meter over reading a bit maybe but he you know benji had another year on his contract i think 
and he retired yeah. early. But we haven't spoken about the elephant in the room, Benji. Yeah. We've been skirting around this topic. The first year of the Chris Froome project, now PCS says he's only got like one year left on his deal. They've come out, both Adams and Froome, and said it's a much longer project than that. The first year of this apparently is on four to five million euro a year. It's it's easy to forget, Benji, that a year ago, and I went and watched it, this guy was a functional domestique in the welter for Richard Carapaz and even like setting him up for some attacks on stages. And he's gone to ISN and he it, it, could, it actually couldn't have gone worse. And the excuses or the reasons for his performances both change from Froome as the year has progressed be it the leg, be it an illness, etc. And then Adams even says different things recently about it. Like they can't do this for three years, surely, because it, it, it's people maybe it, people's patience has already run out. Even people who are like not as maybe harsh as we are, like no one thinks he's going to be contesting GC at the tour next year. Yeah, certainly. And a lot of people excuse this transfer then the amount of money that they throw at from with. Ah, the marketing exposure that you get from having Froome in the team is significant. Yes, he's certainly a big name, but if he doesn't do anything, you're not going to get much out of that, in my opinion, right? His YouTube channel is his biggest marketing at the moment. 100%. No, Benji, like Catalonia, because I I had a lot of his race rights. So Catalonia, I saw how it changed throughout the year. First stage, it was all the B-roll I got sent. All the footage was of Froome at the start of the race and then all of Froome dropping. Then by the Dauphiné, a little bit less, and it showed him maybe on the stage that Thomas won dropping on that on that short climb. But then by the tour, there's a few interviews, and then he crashed early. I don't remember them showing him at all because he's not. it's not like, okay, if he's in the GC group of 10 but still loses and comes ninth, you're still relevant. Like you're still, you know, part of the process. Like Rigoberto Uran was relevant in the tour, uh, even if you don't think he's that good anymore. But Froome is so far from that. And I think that's also a problem for Woods and Dan Martin because if Froome was good and living up to that salary, then they don't have to send both of those guys to the Tour de France, one would think. So I don't know. It's... I just don't see how, like, they like, oh, he had some sort of stomach bug again. Um, and he went swimming with crocodiles, so he, they were basically trying to get him eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> He's like, I have a left-right imbalance. I was like, okay, left-right imbalance, okay, it might be five watts or something, but you're missing a full one and a half watts per kilo over 30 minutes. <laughs> like, where the, I don't know where that's going to come from. <laughs> yeah. I think he's at a risk of tarnishing his legacy if they continue this for two years not i don't if if they come out and be realistic and say listen tour de france gc is not happening we're going to target something different and they stop because i originally blamed the media for drumming it up no they fuel it uh with like silver yep. Adams statements do you think he's at a risk of tarnishing his legacy and do you think he might call it a day after this year if, if he has another year like this i think as time progresses past his peak years it's logical that more and more people are going to be like, oh, he's, he's there again. He's, he's saying that he will try and go for the Tour de France. The team is saying that he will try and go for the Tour de France again. It's not going to happen, stuff like that. And that will try and esc- that will be escalating and has a snowball effect and getting larger and larger. And as a consequence, I agree that it's, I, I wouldn't say the word tarnish yet, but it's definitely going to influence it. I think his biggest 
fans will still be biggest fans, but for like the middle people, it will certainly have an influence. And I would rather see him just go to the tour of Turkey and do that mountain stage as leader and see if how close he can get there. But then on the other hand, that's the kind of race where Israel should send young climbers to try their stuff. So that kind of uh, coincides with each other. That is against each other. So it's not super easy to say he should go to smaller races and do that because they probably want the exposure of having him at big races. But that's not working if he doesn't have results. So it's just not working. So Froome doesn't have a top, like, I don't think he has a, he doesn't have a top 20 in any world tour race this year. He came 22nd in the UAE sprint and then the rest is like not even top 50 in any race. Now he did a lot of world tour races and then he did an easier program at the end of the season. But he, yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened what changed where his recovery looked slow but okay and he wasn't back to 2017 Froome after the crash but he was looking like an okay rider. What happened between the Vuelta 2020 and this year? And if the answer is Israel are not as competent as uh, Ineos and etc., then I don't – that's – what then what's going to change? And so why would he improve? But, yeah, I don't know what's happened between then and now and – it's not looking good, and it's a lot of money. But does it matter, Benji, if Froome pays his own salary in a way, if the sponsors come on to pay, if Froome's salary is basically paid for by the additional sponsor money that's guaranteed for Froome's salary in the same way that a full saying or someone brings their own or Cavendish brought his own salary? Well, is that the case here? Because we've got Sylvan Adams paying the big bucks here. So he was already paying the big bucks, so... Is there really a change in that aspect? I don't think if another sponsor comes close, it's likely because Froome's there. I don't, well, like he's an investor Froome in Factor now or Hammerhead, which supply the team. So it's all sort mm-hmm. of co-mingled uh, now. But yeah, I don't know. And that's just one to watch. But in terms of their transfers, and, and by the way, we should st- I'll state at the outset, they are at risk of relegation. They are on 9,062 points. This is from, again, Raul Bancari's data that he's put together on Twitter um, of the ranking of the UCI teams. So they are 16th on 9,062 points. Cofidis are currently 19th. They're below the relegation zone on 8,300. That's not a large amount, sort of 800 points here or there. That can easily change. So they are at risk of relegation. So that's the context we'll be looking yep. at their transfers in. Out, Benji, Norman Vatra, uh, who probably saw right, but Hugo Ofstetter to Arkea. I think that's a good move for Arkea. I think he's quite good, but he wasn't getting as many opportunities at uh, ISN. You know, he's at top 90 in the UCI ranking. Again, we're going to look at points because he like he did all the Danny Van Poppel races at the end and just accumulated points. So do you think they'll miss him? And do you think he's better than Einhorn? Hmm, I think that, oh, that's a good question. I think, I, think, I think he's indeed a bit better because he's more consistent and also because he's more versatile. I remember him doing well at, did he win Le Samin at some yeah. point in his life? And fifth this uh, year Last again. year. Um, so those kind of races do fit him as well, while I haven't seen Einhorn do those semi-cobble uh, 1.1 races and so forth. So I guess that's an extra for Hofstetter in my eyes. And a Hofstede of sixth at Brugge de Panna, 115 UCI points. A Tour de France stage wins 120. So, 
you know, he six at Alcudia. He is really good at those. He's like the real budget version of Jasper Philipson. Great pickup for Arkea. Uh, and I think <laughs> yeah. they'll they'll miss him. Shimalai, I don't think was getting the opportunities he wanted. A guy who's won a Paranese stage, etc. 32 years old. I remember Dowsett on the podcast, Benji, when he was like, I have to tell Shimalai to wear the aero helmet. So maybe... I don't know. He, at, at the zero, though, Benji, second, second, third, fourth, second in the points classification. At the, at the end of the Vuelta, they went for Einhorn in the sprints, I think. So he's gone to Cofidis again, another team in the battle for relegation with Israel. Do you think, like, do you think Einhorn is better than Shimalai? No. Okay. As simple as that. Like, I think Shimalai gets more points and. He can gain even more points if he's sent to the right races to get those points. We've spoken a lot about 1.1 races being more proficient at getting teams points than a Tour de France stage. So if you have sprinters like these in just plenty of them, then you can send them to 1.1 races throughout the season in France because Cofidis will be happy to do so uh, for their sponsorship and so forth. And they will uh, get more out of that than, for example, a Israel who send them to the Giro and the Vuelta obviously because those are more important races, but yeah, they don't gain as many UCI points as a consequence. Exactly. Like second in a Giro stage is less than half of coming sixth at Brugge de Pana uh, sprint. So just food for thought. And he went to a lot. He only pretty much exclusively did stage races, Chimalai, uh, throughout the year. So that's why he was good, but didn't pick up a lot of points. And I think I want to also say, Benji, they shouldn't be having this points we shouldn't even. This is what we should talk about for Intermarche, Arkea, Cofidis, the ten million euro budget teams. Like we shouldn't even be talking about points here. We should be talking about who can get on the podium of a Grand Tour. But yeah, but this is where they are. On the other hand, their entire budget minus room is ten million, right? Roughly, is it a little bit higher? Like maybe okay. thirteen. Yeah, but okay. you're right. It's, and that's the problem. Froome is not delivering any points. Uh, Dan Martin retired. I understand that they offered him a pretty low offer which I was surprised by given that he won their only Grand Tour stage this year and won a Vuelta stage last year and was good at the Vuelta, I think came fourth on GC there, was still top-level climber. And like in the break, and we saw at the Tour on in the third week, top, top climber still. Uh, they didn't use him correctly in my view. He retired instead of taking the low salary. Can't blame him for that. And um, Greipel retired as well, I think, a year early. So... Yeah, and oh, the last one, Benji, Alexis Renard. We mentioned him on the uh, Cofidis preview. Yeah. He's actually, again, he's not bad. Third GC yeah. at Uda Wallany, he's 22 years old. What are they doing letting him go? I think that it might just be him getting an offer by a French team as True, a consequence. Because I, I think he's that, good. That, yeah, I think he's good as well, but I'm not sure Israel is the right place for a rider like this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they he's like a GC prospect, maybe like a hilly one-day guy, second. At, he's, he did pretty well at some other races. Maybe he so liked Chimolai, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, they have a lot of sprinters going out, being Hofstetter, Chimolai, Greipel. I think largely their points will be replaced by a guy that I understand is not on the biggest budget in the world. I was shocked when I heard the... Uh, heard about it because he, he was coming from Quebec and next hash, which doesn't exist as a world tour team anymore. Little negotiating leverage. Giacomo Nizzolo, I think this is one of the best signings of this transfer window 
Uh, he was 21st in the UCI World Ranking, just so many points. And I was, I was calling him Budget Philipson because Philipson did win more races. But he's on about the same points. He took 1,607 points. And for context, 1,607 points is the difference, quick maths, between 13th or, th- you know, that would take Cofidis from relegation in 19th above Ike Exchange safe into mid-pack safety in 14th. And I understand he's not on a huge salary. What do you think about the new solo signing, Benji? I think it's a great signing. Obviously, he's the sprinter that a lot of teams should have looked for because I think a lot of teams should want the rider like Nizolo in their team. He can sprint with a train and without a train. So that's variable, pretty decent at positioning, can get through gaps that are uh, unlikely to get through at certain points, sometimes gets relegated at the end of a Giro. But that was a... Uh, that's an old story. <laughs> but uh, for the rest, I think the majority of his points came from both Classics and Dot Pro one-day races like Almeria. He got first. He gained points in the likes of Hand Wevelgem, OxyClean, uh, Dorf London in a bit as well, Schelderpreis a bit as well. So all these one-day races, yes, he does get a lot of decent positions in, in stage races and sprints as well, but those don't deliver the points. So I think it's a good transfer as long as they realize that they're fighting for relegation and also send them to dot pro races and italian classics like gran piemonte although i think that gran piemonte was changing shape again so it might become a climbing race again but i could be uh, (laughs) wrong on that sense i could be very wrong on that sense and i think wait a second isn't torino changing as well next year where milano torino is now being in front of milano sanremo or something and being a sprinter classic i don't know uh something like that so those are races that are useful for uh, a needs a lot to go to as well and gain even more points uh if possible but even if we don't consider the uci points this is a sprinter that is better than chimulai bevan and so forth in their team and as a consequence can win a giro stage i think Giacomo Nizzolo is who people were telling benji danny van poppel is in terms of being a consistent <laughs> world tour sprinter Nizzolo yeah. is a consistent world tour sprinter who rarely wins at world tour level now i took a deeper look at his sprints benji um and what the reasons were for maybe not winning so much like at uae because i'm really high on him but then i'm like okay how can i be this high on a guy who almost never wins at world tour level and Largely, I think the reason was his lead out was absolute trash at Quebec. Like I remember the UAE tour. So if you if you yeah. go look at Sean Felice's sprint with Jonas Rickart and Philipson, Rickart finishes a little bit early and he brings over Philipson in the overhead. He brings him over and dumps him on Wout Van Aert's wheel and they kind of he just gives him a little bit of a sit on Wout Van Aert and pushes Cavendish off. In one of the UAE tour stages, I think it was Valscheid, he literally brings Nitsolo up the other side of the road, dies, and Nitsolo's sitting in the middle of the road with the other trains on the left in the air and has to just move over and try and take a wheel. I think his leadouts were largely awful. His, but Achen Wevelhem, his own positioning cost him, I think, a little bit, although he still came second. And then, but he did get eventually that Giro stage win on stage 13. But I think one of his most impressive wins, which small race, which I'm going to do a full video on, but is the Circuito de Gecho Memorial Hermanos Ochoa. It's a Basque one-day race. This was hilly, really hilly, and he was in a break. Like I'm talking like 2K sort of 
uh, 9.2% climb near the finish with an uphill finish. He was in a break with Butrago, Schelling, Ciccone, Aliotti, like all climbers. And he beat these guys after Bora were rolling him with one, two attacks in the final and really, really impressive win. And then he continued that at Worlds where he was made G1 in that course and it was domestique for Colbrelli. So my only concern, Benji, is or well, two things. Do you think his sort of general classics ability that he showed this year will continue at Israel? And two, what do you think of the lead-out train and and who do you think it will be for him next year? I think it has to be an upgrade, even if Israel is kind of just a average lead-out train. I, first of all, do think that he's got more surrounding in this team in those classic races. Yes, Gampenarts was decent in those classic races, but... Van Mark is also in this team, very supportive and can be the rider that keeps a group together when uh, your boy uh, Nizolo is in there as well. But that leans more towards races like Hans Wevelgem or something, in my eyes. Uh, an Oxyclean, for example. A Kuhne Brussel Kuhne. Van Marke could pace there for a Nizolo, even though I think Van Marke came like third or fourth uh, around Hausler in that race as well this year. So shout out to Hausler while we can. But um, Nizolo, I think, will be decent in those cobble races. I also don't think that the team is super strong in cobble races, personally, but I still believe they've got decent support. Yes, that Boivin and Van Osbroek, uh Roubaix, they was outstanding. Boivin even crashed getting knife in that race, but it's hard believing that they're going to do this every single cobble race. And they didn't in the majority of their cobble races, like in RVV and so forth. I haven't seen Boivin do something crazy there, stuff like that. So. I won't expect the glorious victory of uh, Nizolo in RVV suddenly, because that's too hard for the guy. And um, then the second question that I completely forgot, so I'm guessing that it was something related to the lead-out. Yeah. I think that it's going to be an upgrade, but I'm also not 100% sure it's the biggest upgrade. Because, like, Rick Zabel, I feel like he's a decent lead-out, but I don't know. I'm not sure it's going to be the greatest lead-out. Israel's problem seemed to me that they they presented a lot of three kilometers to go in World Tour races, but then got swamped at the end. I'd encourage, I'd hope they could come a little bit later. I think the lead out will be something like Dowsett, Brandler, Van Osbroek, Zabel, which is, yes, it's actually quite a solid lead out. Van Mark can maybe be second last man in certain races. It's an upgrade, certainly for Nizzolo. Um, and I hope they work on it. I hope they're going there. I think they're going to the Challenge uh, Mallorca races in yep. January so we'll see this in a month hopefully the, the train setting up in some races for uh Nitsolo and then maybe at UAE I, I hope he goes to the Giro as well but that's a lot on Giacomo Nitsolo but again I think it was a great signing two signings paired together from Astana Jakob Fulsang and Ugo Ull from Astana and was Astana Premier Tech Premier Tech hasn't signed with Israel yet now we think they're negotiating and it should happen because I thought Premier Tech was paying Fulsang and Ul's salary. Uh, but Fulsang certainly not his best year and not his sort of 2019 and 2020 uh, form. He's 36 years old now. He didn't win a race this year. He said that the uh, vaccine sort of had an effect on him maybe. Is that what happened, Benji? Am I making that up? Was that someone else? I think he said that, but uh, I also don't know for 100%. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, no, he did. He said his Tour de France was wrecked by uh, the COVID vaccine. I think he did 
and you know that can happen i think he got it like really close to the tour uh van avermaet said something similar he did he came 12th in liege 17th in flesh and that's just a big difference benji like he he was always making you think expect him to make g1 in liege but he, he didn't make it and i think do you think he's on the decline i just do not expect to see 2019 2020 full saying again frankly me neither and even on the vaccine point i feel like his initial part of the season before the vaccine wasn't that amazing either so yeah. i don't think that was the biggest influence even in the second part of the season uh because uh in like if we look at those hill classics he should indeed do better than 38 at amstel 17 at flesh 12 at lbl that's 100%. quite simple he should do better yes he got second in a stage of tour de swiss but let's be real he needs to do more. <laughs> yeah, and they were playing cat and mouse there. Yeah, certainly. And yes, his nine foot strade was pretty good, but I'm expecting more from a full summit. I'm expecting at least one victory a year from a full sang in some race, and that wasn't the case this year. And um, I hope he can pull back for the team of Israel themselves, but I just, I'm kind of on the edge. And I feel like. The worst part about this transfer is that they sign him for three years. I don't get that. <laughs> oh, my God. Three years. He's going to be turning 37 in in March. They're like, Alexis Renard, get the fuck out of here. 22 years old with a bit of upside. They signed full sang to three years. And to be honest, Benji, he, he kind of looks, if you go and look at his, his, his results, he looks this year exactly like 2018 full saying even there he got like second yeah. on a stage in tour de suisse and sort of podium in the general classification a little bit better tour but still like not a not even top 10 on gc and just the solitary win at romandy and again missing g1 at liege not top 10 at flesh a little bit better amstel he kind of looks like that guy again and yeah i think it's a terrible signing frankly like i just don't see in terms of the salary they're putting out, the riders they could have got, this is sort of the this is the opposite of Nitsolo to me. Uh, that yep. being said, what if Benji they send him to a lot of one day sort of hilly races like in one but one classics? Yeah, like, <laughs> they won't. They won't. He will do a lot of world tour races. Um, do you think he's still going to go for top ten GC? <laughs> top ten GC, he shouldn't. But I think Premier Tech's more hyped about being uh, linked up with the likes of a Woods at this team than being linked up with Fulsang at this team, I would guess, if they actually continue with the signing or not. I don't know. I mean, he's also paired with Hugo Uhl, who's on a three-year deal as well. Now, probably not on as much money. 31-year-old Canadian. I hope. <laughs> I, hope. Um, I think he was all right in some of the classics or worlds. I, I feel like he was he was okay in some races, but maybe I'm just making that up. Um, he's fine for Cobble Classics. 13 uh, in Tireno. Wow. 16 on Castelfidardo stage, the crazy stage where Vanderpool went haywire. I think this guy should go to some more one-day races, actually, uh, and not World Tour level. I think I think Ugaul is not bad. The last one is uh, Corbin Strong, incoming transfer from the young Kiwi from Seg Racing Academy. Now, he did the uh, UCI Track Champions League in the off-season, uh, which we've spoken about before in the context of Kel O'Brien. He's a young sprinter. He, I think he came third in GC on that, or not GC, like the overall points. Yeah, I think he won the first round, actually, yes. uh, when it comes to the points race. Kel O'Brien said he's quite light and actually can get over a, a hill better than one would expect. 
I think it's not about signing Benji. Have you? Do you have any more intel on him or been following him? Well, mainly I I, I feel like he's a friendly guy, but that doesn't influence uh, his uh, his writing too much. I would guess. Um, I would dare to say that we need to call him the zebra as a nickname because uh, his shirt in that. You see, our track oh, Champions yeah. League looked exactly like a zebra, and it was a bit of an inside joke in the team back then. I uh, believe it's a good signing, but it's very early to say what he's going to be pointing at. 21 years old, I think give it two years, and we'll know better what area he's going to be good at. But I'm curious if he can lean into the kind of sprinter that can also get over punchy classic uh, type parkours, because, for example, Gravel and Tar Classic is a New Zealand uh, classic at the start of the season where half of the roads are unpaved basically and he gets fifth there yes that's no not the most representative race of being able to do that in Strada Bianca five years later but it's a sign that he's not terrible at getting over unpaved roads so I'm hoping that that uh, moves towards the likes of a low-key classics kind of thing and then he can do good at those one one races in Belgium and so forth that can get you a lot of uh, UCI points. They also have Tar Jones, who started, uh, he moved from the Cycling Academy Conti team to World Tour uh, midway through this year and joined the World Tour team. Again, young sprinter, big guy, 21 years old. And it's weird, Benji, they've got like the collection of the Impy, Fulsang and Froome who are past the peaks of their careers, over 37 years old, 36 years old. And then they have a collection of Antipodeans, which like, listen, I'm not complaining. They're one of the team's the biggest teams picking up Australian and Kiwi talent at the moment, Tar Jones, Corbin Strong, Seb Berwick had his Neo Pro year this year. So I don't mind that at all. It's just um, there must be someone in the – they also got Patrick Bevan as well who's a little bit older from New Zealand. Yeah, I just – it's interesting that that seems to be the case. It's almost like Trek, Benji, there's someone in Trek who just keeps picking up Danish young guys. Um, they must have a scout <laughs> or something or someone on the team. Yeah. Sunderland or Sutherland uh, must be pointing it out. Anyway. That's enough on their transfers. Time to pick their teams, Benji, uh, for the main races next year. First, Cobbled Classics, where I think they have a well above average Cobbled Classics team or Classics team. I, I think it's quite good. Um, I'll throw some names out. Seb Van Mark, Tom, Tom Van Asbroek, Giacomo Nizzolo for Omloop, Kerner and Gent Vedelhem, and then I'd actually give him a rest for RVV. And then have yep. Seth come in. Uh, who else? Do, 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 do. Uh, Bovin and Yente Bermans, maybe. Anyone else that you think should should be in the team? Ugo as well, sorry. Yeah, I think that's a good list so far. I think um, oh, now we're looking at people to fill up the teams. Wurt Schmidt could fill up uh, the team in those cobble races as well. Mm, they lost the Hofstetter, for example, who would also do those races usually. I think Hollenstein did those races, but I think the rest of the people that we will select here just won't move the needle. So is it worth talking about the other three riders that are going to fill up the team? I think the ones you mentioned already are going to be the ones that can actually do something in those races. I would indeed send the likes of a lead out for Nizolo as well with Zabel also to that Kuhne and that Hendwevelhem to fill up those races because that's going to be useful when it comes down to a sprint. What do you think of the position where Daryl Impey could do well at, because I swear if you put him in RV, he could be decent as domestique, but I think Hill Classics is better, right? Oh, I'd, I'd rather have him as a focus on being a domestique for Woods, because Woods is top tier. Yeah. So it's just a question of like, Impey, okay, my, yes, I agree, could do a decent job uh, at those races, but 
he hasn't done RVV since 2014, and yeah, I think no. Nah. But I think it's pretty good. I, like I look at Sep Van Mark this year again. Like as Benji mentioned, third in Omloop, fourth in the Semin, fifth at RVV. He's still he's still really good. The problem is Benji that he his he luck. doesn't go. He doesn't or luck, but also he doesn't go to a lot of those uh, stat padding races like the lower. Well, he did at the end of the year, but he seemed to be in poor condition. But yeah, where's him? Where's his smaller races? The smaller Belgian race at the start of the year, like what is it, Breden and Nokera Course or something? Breden and Nokera Course is not. That's two races you just combine into one. I think yeah. uh, we've got uh, <laughs> Nokera Course and we've got uh, something with Breden, but Breden and Coxeri. You're right. Even yep. you know it better than me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Specialist on the business, of course. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that those stat betting races could be good for him. But that's the issue here. You can. These teams are being forced to choose between either we're going to stat bad by sending our big riders to smaller races, or we're going to try and go for sponsor visibility and bigger races with the likes of Van Marke. And I think the balance is uh, the perfect one for Van Marke, the one in the middle. Like try and do some stat betting races, but mainly focus on uh, on the big guns like Roubaix because he still wants to compete for that, and he's gotten close quite a few times. And I hope he uh, gets one decent victory in his career of the level higher than Omlop, but it's currently not looking like it at the moment. But yeah, I think a good part of a mark is that he seems like a, a good domestique also in the team for other races. And next to that, I feel like he's a good rider to have experience wise for the team because he seems always happy to help other riders in the team. So that's a good aspect there, I think. I forgot. Milano Sanremo, we never mentioned Benji. Who is their leader for MSR? Is it, is it Nizzolo or is it Woods? Does Woods do MSR? Like, surely you'd think he'd be able to punch over the Poggio with... He didn't Why not do it. both? True. He didn't do it this Have year. Have one attack on... Well, not attack. He's probably going to follow on the Poggio and see if he can attack or not because he's going to get bottled in the sprint or in the descent anyway. <laughs> oh, the descent. But, uh, yeah, don't. No, he can't do it. <laughs> I have in the chat. <laughs> but uh, Nizzolo, I think... Um, ah, I don't think he can follow the... The G1 group that he gets away, even uh, even on level of Calabon Poggio last year, he's not. So, yeah, I don't see it unless it's like a, a sprinty finish, which in current years doesn't seem to be the thing anymore. Yeah, I don't know who's is their guy there. Uh, Healy Classics, pretty clear to me. Mike Woods leader, Jakob Fulsang domestique for Mike Woods. Uh, ben Hermans is actually Ben Hermans is still really really good, by the way. Yep. Um, Pickley, maybe they hope to do it. Nealands, Nealands really should be good at those races, frankly. Yep. Um, Nealands as well. I think he was top 40 at all three of those races. Domestique-wise, he's strong, I think. True. That is good. Um, Daryl Impey, Benji already mentioned. Demarkey does some of them, but not. he usually focuses on stage race. But anyway, the, the key core is Fulsang, Woods, Hermans, Nealands uh, is, in my view, and Daryl Impey, sorry, as well. And then the rest will be maybe some flat domestiques. Those are names for me as well. I uh, I don't believe in the fact that Fulsang will domestique for Woods, even though he should. Um, but um, yeah, I think Woods is Woods is very good at these races, but he's got the issue that other people are faster if he lands in a group, and he's very yeah. likely to land in a group, so he's unlikely to win one of these. Uh, he had a better chance of winning one of these when the finish of LBL was still on, uh, on top of... Uh, Codon or something uh, instead of this flat finish in Liège, but that's taken away from him, so it's unlikely that he'll win that race. As simple as that. 
but when it comes to Flesh, I don't know how close did he get in Flesh in the past. I generally uh, don't remember. I think he podiumed once. I think the competition's too good to be. Yeah. Like Alaphilippe is better. Even Roglic is better. Like he was closer with he or she, but that was a slower murder we time. When they're doing the Roglic Alaphilippe time this year, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can win. But he still, it's one day race. He can come top five, no problem. Uh, or should be able to come top five, rather. And he did uh, again this year, and that's 220 UCI points. So he's got to do it. Um, and Italian classics. Perfect for oh, yeah. He is really, really good at the Italian classics. Like one Milano Torino in 2019, won a stage in Torino. I know it's not a one-day race last year. And again, he always top tens. In fact, he should be doing more of them. Like he should be doing Trevale Varesino, which I actually think DeMarchi won this year. So um, they've got a good yeah. Italian classics team. It's, it's one of maybe their best their best attribute, uh, in fact. Giro Benji. It's all I'm sending for sprints. It's all for sprints, I agree. Uh, I think that's a good choice. I think while he could indeed do well at a cobble race in the Tour de France and be good there, there's just not enough flat sprints. And I think it's better to send Nizolo to the Giro in general. Um, so him there with a lead out, like you said, the Riggs Owl, Brentler, Dowsett of the gang. Um, Von Market could be in that team, but that's just after, uh, well, just after, quite a bit after the cobble races, is he going to be happy to go to the Giro already? Because you you don't often see people that go to the cobble races go to the Giro. I mean, I, I'm going to give... I'm not sending him to Dwarz Dord or Ronde van Vlaanderen. So he gets an extra... Or uh, Shelder Price. So he gets You're an not extra... Sen- oh, I'm talking about Van Marke. Like- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. Um, so- you would send him to Giro. Oh, does he fit in lead out? Because like I wouldn't. we'd say he would good. I wouldn't send him to the Giro just because he did the cobble races. I would say Van Marker and for the tour cold stages because he's going to win and take yellow on stage yep. five. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so great at prologues. <laughs> I I think yeah I think you send maybe like a Brandler Dowsett Zabel, maybe Van Asbrook if he's not completely over-raced with Nizzolo to the Giro. Obviously, you have to send DeMarchi. He took pink this year, so he, like he's still really good. Uh, what about Fulsang, though, Benji? Uh, if they're not going to send Woods. Woods shouldn't do Giro. Well, although there's stages that finish, suit, there's stages that suit him. Like, they sent him to the Tour de France with time trial last year. Now they have a Grand Tour that doesn't have much time trial, and they wouldn't. In their logic, they're sending Woods to the Giro for GC probably, but I'd rather see him go for stage than take two stages. You're right. You're right. I think that's a good point. And then Bevan as well, maybe, to the Giro. I think Bevan in a break should be pretty solid. Dowsett won from a break with Brandler last year at the Giro. I think the Giro, they should be really trying to pick up some stages here with Nizzolo. And, yeah, maybe Benji's right. The there's some stages which suit Woods more than at the Tour de France, I think. Giro Vuelta suit suit Woods more. The question is just whether he's a bit tired after the Ardennes campaign. And maybe they send Fulsang to the Tour de France. That's where we'll go next. So Nizzolo's gone to the early Cobble Classics in my calendar. He's gone to the Giro. Maybe he leaves a little bit early. And I'm now also sending Nizzolo to the Tour de France. Um in my world, Benji, that's what I'm doing. Maybe I shouldn't because then he, he can't get points. 
What do you think? What's, well, do you... if he does the Tour de France, he can do one, not one race in Italian Classic at the end of the season instead of the Vuelta. True, true. What team do you think they'll send? Or what team do you think they should send? Because I'm struggling to pick it out. Apart from Van Mark and As- Van Asbrook and some cobbly guys for the start, I'm struggling to pick it here. So we had, um, I had Woods at the Giro. I would have Woods at the Vuelta. I would not have Woods at the Tour de France. Correct. As a likely consequence, Fulsang would probably get a Tour de France role. Yeah. Even though the parkour doesn't exactly fit him. He probably would end up in there. Nonetheless, you're, well, then again, right. he had the cobble stage with Nibali a few years ago, so it might be fun to see him uh, do something on that cobble stage, even though it's most likely not likely to happen on this one. Yes, Nizolo should, in my eyes, do the Giro Tour de France double, even though the Vuelta has more flat sprints. I think there's still that image for Nizolo to get top three sprints at the Tour de France that will be valuable. Even though... It would have been so awesome if they just had Einhorn as pure sprinter at the Tour de France on the Champs-Élysées. No, that's what I think they should do. Okay. Seriously, I think you've convinced me. You're you're (laughs) the biggest promoter. I think there's not many points for Nizzolo to take at the Tour because the competition, unless it's like this year, will be extremely high. If there's Jakobsen, okay, now Groenewegen's going on bike exchange, so now you have another top sprinter. Jakobsen, Ewan, Groenewegen, and Bennett, it is going to be almost impossible for Nizzolo to win a stage, let alone come top three consistently. Um, that's going to even be a tall ask for the likes of Phillips and Merlier might be there taking them. Meanwhile, he could be resting or going to other races where there's not these top sprinters. Instead, you can send Einhorn, get the marketing benefit. Top 10 for him in a, in a Tour de France sprint is that they promote that. It's a big deal for them. And he's like a Decent Conti sprinter, and I think he can nab some top 10s. That way, Nitsolo gets a rest. You send Fulsang to do whatever Fulsang mm-hmm. does. Ben Hermans, by the way, doesn't do Grand Tours. Uh, I think that might even be part of his contract. He just does one week's or one-day races. I have a, an off-topic question for you. I want you to uh, look up Dainese's results of 2021, and I will ask you the question. Do you think that Alberto Dainese is a budget Nitsolo? based on the results in 2021? No, because he doesn't have it in the in the early Cobble Classics. But yeah, maybe, you know, right. he's, he's younger, he's young, so maybe he was a better rider at the end of the year. But no, I think Nizzolo is like a proper step. Of, well, no, you said budget, but Nizzolo is just like a lock for like a top 10 at Brugge de Pana, like he just, or even shelled price. So, yep, okay. But... Dainese, I think he's really, as Benji said, incredibly good value as well. So, yes, I, I do understand and see the comparison. And I think Dainese, don't be surprised if he even wins a Giro stage next year in like the third week of a random sprint. So Tour is a bit weird. And I think the problem again is Benji Froome. I think you send Madsvert Schmidt because it's starting in Denmark. And I, is he like, yeah, I just, that's what I think you should do. Just send some cobble guys, send Madsvert Schmidt, and send Einhorn. And then Fulsang with a start in Denmark is also going to go to the tour. So, true, yeah. True, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've been discussing this for a bit, but it's pretty obvious that he's going to the tour like this. <laughs> Vuelta is Mike Woods. Try and convince Ben Hermans to do the first week, and then he can go home. <laughs> Seb Berwick and 
maybe Corbin Strong. I don't know because I, I want to send Nitsolo and just farm points elsewhere for the rest. I'm not yeah. sending him to the Vuelta. Nealon should be good at the Vuelta. He should be able to win from the break. Demarkey as well, again, should be good at the Vuelta if he can get in the right break. So that's what I'm doing, Benji. I'm sending whatever one of the young sprinters has done well plus um, Mike Woods and some climbing guys and some break guys. That sound about right? Yeah, I would also just send someone in that team, like a Goldstein, to the Vuelta to go for GC for one simple reason, because it's so sad to look back at the Vuelta of 2021 and say the first rider finished on 85 in GC. At least you don't have to handle that if you send Goldstein to the Vuelta afterwards. <laughs> for the shame. Uh, uh, Woods Wood should top 10 the Vuelta, even if he's going to Oh yeah, to you're, stay, right. you're right, you're right, you're right, you're um, right. Forgot about Woods, even though it's pretty obvious that he's going there. I'd send Einhorn again. Einhorn actually was like, if, unless one of the younger sprinters is better, but he came fifth in a in the uh, La Manga del Mar Menor sprint. I'd send him. So Lombardia Woods full saying pretty obvious as well. Um, you think we're underrating Impy? I mean, I think Impy's still pretty good. Like he came second in Royal Bernard Drome at the start of the year. That was a hotly contested top pro race against talented guys like Honoré and Bagioli. Um, and the question is, I don't know what happened to him. He seemed not right after that crash. Because remember, at Andalusia, yeah. he, he crashed out Stannard. And then he actually had five months off. Five, like full months. Was it not something from, back-related injury, I think? I don't know. Maybe silent suspension, but no, nah, I think it was injury related. And then he <laughs> DNF'd Bernocchi, Torino, and then not not great at Piemonte, and that was it. So I don't know, Benji. Like he's still really good. He's second in the Catalonia stage, two behind Sagan. It's just yeah, that crash kind of cooked the rest of his season. So I don't know. What what would you do with him? Like, is he? I would send him and Demarchi to kind of some one-one Italian races, like Giro del Veneto. I think that's a pretty good combo. I think he can get stage wins in a Grand Tour. If you send him in Still. breakaways. Still. Uh, like, he's getting third in that first stage of Andalusia. Yes, that's uh, in a in a bit of a an uphill sprint, but send him in the breakaway and he can beat people in an uphill sprint. Uh, in, the, in the kind of stage where, I don't know, like, that stage Wellens won, for example, in where he took it in the final corner by just doing the corner better than Woods in the Vuelta of 2020, something like that. Like, that kind of stage, Impy can still do that stuff as well, and he's... He's a decent enough climber to get in breakaways and be valuable, I think. It's only two years ago in 2019, he beat what Benji's saying. He beat Teich Benoit in a hilly Tour de France stage in a head-to-head sprint and won a Tour de France stage. So, yeah, like Benji's right. Like maybe Impy, if he gets back. I Certainly Giro of Welter stages, people would not be happy being in a break with him, uh, Daryl Impy. So they had three World Tour wins this year. It has to be. I've got to set the over-under a little bit higher than that, um, I think, for this sort of team. I'm setting the over-under at four and a half World Tour wins. Oh, my God. That's a difficult one. It's all whether they send Woods to the right races, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it's going to be looking at their team. I hope it's more. I um, hope it's more. I'm going to say under. I think it's going to be a lot of just not winnings. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> like Dan Martin's out the door. He won one. The other two were 
Romandy and Tirreno Adriatico, I don't think Fulsang's going to win very much. And again, we think it's all those great signing, but I don't. He's not going to win six World Tour races. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be just under. I think it's going to be just under. I think no, yeah, four World Tour wins. So yeah, just under. But might be surprised. But do you think they're going to be relegated, Benji? I don't think they're going to be relegated. Me either. I think Nitsolo adds a lot of points. Full Sang does add some points. Um, I don't think they're going to be relegated, even though they're they're paying so much that there shouldn't be even a discussion. But I don't think they will be. I think Lotto are in much much more trouble uh, than they are. All right, time for some hot takes, Benji. My first one is Chris Froome retires at the end of twenty twenty two. Okay, I think that's. I think that is certainly a possibility. And my other hot takes are that Corbin Strong wins. Uh, Corbin Strong wins a dot pro race. Okay, my first one is uh, Einhorn wins a world tour race. Holy shit! <laughs> this is my Cavendish wins a world tour race of last year <laughs> hot take, but with Itamar Einhorn, I believe like Turf Polonia, he, he got close this year. True, true. Where did he get in Turf Polonia? He didn't write it. Okay, my bad. <laughs> but if he can win a stage at that Slovakia Renard. Renard ahead of Peter Sagan and Kes Ball, then he can win a bloody stage at the Tour de Polonia, okay? Yeah, Unless maybe. they send Olaf Koy again at Yambo. <laughs> or Bauhaus does them again. <laughs> but I believe Itamar Einhorn will win a World Tour race. Um, it would be cool if it's a Vuelta. Let me just drop that in just in case it happens. But um, when it comes to my other hot takes... I don't think Full Sang will win a race. Yeah, Full Sang not winning a race. Probably, certainly not. I don't think he wins a World Tour race. But uh, yeah, let's both say he's not winning a race. I think Chris Nierlands, like he's actually really quite, quite good, but he just had a really He's like really, his really fellow Latvian, Squins. Yeah. Like he should be able to win with his profile. He should be really good in hilly breaks at the Giro or Vuelta. He's never done yeah. the Vuelta. He's twenty-seven. I would again. I would send Nealands to the Vuelta. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of any other hot takes. Many. I think Seb Van Marker wins. Uh, wins a monument. Oh, okay. <laughs> either Roubaix. I think he wins either Roubaix. Uh, I don't or believe RDD. it. I don't believe in are in that because uh, even like the cycling gods have proven already that if. Von Marke is heading towards the monument victory. He's going to puncture in the last 20 meters. It's happening, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but that's the fact. Israel are winning Roubaix. I think they I think they've got a really good team for it. Israel <laughs> gonna they're gonna win Roubaix and take yellow and take it to a France stage win and somehow with all these hot takes still win under five world tour races. I don't know how that's gonna be both those things are gonna be correct. That's <laughs> not here to be a mathematician. But yeah, that's largely I ISN preview are uh, some it's a strange team. It's it's an odd team, uh, the way they're constructed. I think they'll be fighting a battle on two fronts, which or many fronts, which is first, they have to keep sponsors happy and they have the large salaries going to Full Sang and Froome and they will want exposure at large races, or the biggest races, like the Tour de France. But in the background, they have the battle for survival where they need to be farming points at not the last largest races. And the best way to do that is to send overpowered squads to those races. 
like a Piemonte if it's flat with a full train for Nizzolo. So it'll be a really delicate balancing act for them. I think Benji and I have pretty well set out how the season should go for them with especially how to use Nizzolo properly. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts on, on ISN, Benji? I don't know. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's it's a shame because it's a lot of salary going to guys not performing and then they need the other guys to pick up pick up the slack. Um, yeah, just imagine how much money 5 million would be if it was given to a development team. I know, yeah. Instead of sending it to Froome. That's like two and a half women's world tour teams. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, it's we'll see what happens with them. I've already said my piece about what will happen with Froome in in 2022, and but I'm hopefully hopefully the young from a personal perspective. I'll be tracking the team closely to see how Taj Jones, Corbin Strong, and Seb Berwick go, and even but Paddy Bevan, who was strong in Basque Country in in parts, and then but I think he still can get results as well. But that was our Israel Startup Nation preview for 2022 hope you enjoyed it make sure to give us a review or a rating on podcast players or like the video down below let us know your hot takes and uh yeah we'll see you in the next one ciao mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 